so we are going to talk about the kingdom. It's just been kind of on my heart um, lately, and we're going to kind of pick up where I left off a few weeks ago. Uh, super thankful for a buddy that filled in the last, last few weeks and uh, listened to his messages, <laughs> and uh, he always cracks me up, uh, the whole Amway thing. I was like, who's the Amway? Uh, but it was really good. I really enjoyed both his messages as well. It's pretty cool to have several people that can speak and, and, uh, and minister. It's really cool to, to have that. I'm super thankful for it. Um, but I want to kind of pick up where I left off because it's just what I've been studying and what's on my heart, and it's about the kingdom. Do you guys remember what we were talking about a few weeks ago? Uh, basically, we were in Matthew, and we were walking through Matthew, and um, uh, essentially, there's it's broken up. I've got it written down somewhere. It's broken up into two sections, Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus is teaching and proclaiming the kingdom of, of God, um, and then Matthew 8 through 9, he's going to be demonstrating the kingdom. And so we're not quite to 8 through 9 yet. Um, that's going to be coming up pretty soon. Hopefully we'll be able to get into that, and that's going to be more of the, the uh, living out and playing out of the healing and, and touching and moving and actually demonstrating what the kingdom is. We're, we're still kind of in the teaching and proclaiming part of the kingdom in Matthew. So Jesus shows up, and his ministry starts, and he starts talking about this kingdom. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom became kingdom. Uh, we were actually talking to Margaret this morning. We were getting ready for worship and everything about how that was such a light bulb for me when I first started. We started coming to Deeper Life when it was on 90, and Mark was teaching on the kingdom, and I was like, why do you keep talking about this kingdom? I've never really, you know, I've heard, you've heard it, but I didn't really think much about it. We just kept talking about it, talking about it, so I started reading through my Bible, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's everywhere in here. <laughs> it's like, Jesus talked about this a whole lot. And, uh, and so as I started digging back into it and kind of remember, remembering some of the things that I learned and also seeing some new things that I'm learning now, it's like, wow, there's a lot to unfold here and a lot to see. And when Jesus comes on, he starts talking about this kingdom, and it's all the way, especially in that culture, we don't, other than me being awkward at, at parties, we don't talk about kingdoms much around here. You don't just sit down and say, hey, what do you think about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God or the kingdoms of the earth or the kingdom of sin and death? What do you think about those things? Um, but they, they operated in these kingdoms. They were very familiar with it. There was a hierarchy system. Even it trickled down all the way from Caesar and Rome all the way into the Jewish culture. There was hierarchies, even the Pharisees and Sadducees. There were people that politically, culturally, and religiously were better than other people, essentially. And there were kingdoms that were set up that way. And Jesus shows up and, like, <laughs> kicks the door in. <laughs> and is like, forget everything you know about kingdoms. That's essentially what he does. He's like, repent. Change the way you think about everything. And they're like, kill him. <laughs> right? I mean, they didn't get there right away, but at first they're like, what is this guy talking about? And he starts talking about it. He essentially, through those first, first uh, books in Matthew, or going through in Matthew in those verses, he is talking about this kingdom over and over and over again. The kingdom has come near. The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. It's everywhere. And he even describes it. The kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like a seed. The kingdom of heaven is like this. Uh, the, the, the kingdom is not meat or drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's not a geographical location. And so when we something that I had to unlearn from first getting saved and going into church is that we're not trying to catapult people into heaven. We're not running around trying to make them feel uncomfortable in Walmart. Have you sinned? Have you stolen anything? You know, it's not the, the point is not to get people to heaven. The point is to get heaven to people. That's the point. It's, it's, and that's, that was the problem that they ran into when Jesus kicked in the door and said, forget everything you know about kingdoms. This is going to be upside down. You're going to serve people. The first will be last. Last will be first. And they're like, oh, this teaching is hard. He's like, hey, your mom and dad, you're, you're, I'm going to turn brother against sister, dad against, I'm going to turn, basically, your, your culture, your history is going to, you're going to be ostracized, you're going to be put away from your family for believing in me and not what you have believed your whole life. It's, it's not going to be puppy dogs and butterflies. This is, this is going to be tough, but I'm telling you it's better. This covenant's coming, and it's going to be better. And when this covenant comes, the kingdom's coming with it. And when we, when we pray, and when we, we hadn't got to, and I'm, I'm anxious to get to the healing part because it's real fun, but when we get to that part, every prayer that you pray essentially is, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every prayer is that. If you want to summarize a prayer that you pray, that's it. Whether it's for healing, whether it's for whatever it is, what you, if not, <laughs> what it should be is, Lord, your kingdom come. Your, it's aligning our hearts with God's heart. That's what prayer should be. Yes, make requests. The Bible talks about making requests, but ultimately our requests should line up with what God's requests are. Our hearts should line up with what God's hearts are. Our, our kingdom should line up with what God's kingdom is. Unfortunately, it doesn't always. When, when it, Margaret was even talking about seeing what you see, you're going to see earthly kingdoms. They're very clear, very cut and dry. 
Um, it's something you can grab a hold of really easily. This kingdom we're talking about is not. It's invisible. And sometimes it takes a little renewing of your mind, right? That's what he's talking about. It takes some, okay, I know, I see this, but what I know to be true from what the Holy Spirit is telling me is this. This is what Jesus is, is proclaiming to people that are not just going to church on Sundays and maybe Wednesdays and maybe going door to door on Tuesdays or something. He is talking to people um, that have grown up in a completely different culture than we grew up in. Not only that, we're going to talk. We're going to see what type of people exactly he's talking to. All right, and we're going to we're going to kind of focus on the beatitudes. So, um, Matthew five. Um, when I first read this, and even for years, I probably taught it incorrectly. I read these Beatitudes as things that we are to aspire to, goals that we are to live up to. Have you all ever heard that or thought that? Attitudes to be, be attitudes, right? Um, but that's not at all what it is, not at all. Before we can, well, let's stop before we even get into this. Let's look at who Jesus is talking to. So what's before Matthew 5, Matthew 4, and 3 and 2, okay? So, yeah, right? Can you, we good? All right. What happened in those times? Jesus comes, he talks about the kingdom, he's baptized, he goes out and he, he, he goes for a walk on the lake and he grabs these fishermen, right? He's like, hey, follow me. And they're like, okay. <laughs> and they follow him. And so at this point, before we get to the Beatitudes, he's got four disciples. Um, he, he hadn't got all of them yet, so that comes later on in another chapter. So at this point, he's got four disciples. These disciples aren't very learned men. They're not very smart. They're fishermen. Um, and he goes, he, he goes out and these crowds gather around him, and they begin to follow him. These crowds consisted of, do you know what these crowds consisted of? The poor, the sick, the hurting, the, the downtrodden, the, 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 the ones that the society had pushed aside. These are the crowds that are flocking around him. Uh, the only Pharisees were the, the eventually show up were to, to challenge him and to test him. But at this point, at the Beatitudes, we have to ask these two questions. What is Jesus talking about, and who is he talking to? We know what he's talking about because we just read all the way through the beginning of Matthew a few weeks ago, kingdom, 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 kingdom. This is what he's talking about. The kingdom is like this. kingdom is like this. My kingdom's like this. This is the way the kingdom is. So he's still on that same thing. He hasn't switched gears. He's talking about the kingdom. Who is he talking to? He's talking to four disciples that he told to follow him, um, and he's talking to a bunch of people that have been pushed aside from society. Okay? It's very clear when you see who he's talking to, what these look like and what they mean. Like 99% of these people are the ones that have been pushed aside. They're not, the, the kingdom of the earth has said, you are not worth anything. You, you are not part of our group, okay? So we get to Matthew 5, it says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, this is the crowd of people that are, have been cast aside, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples, the four disciples, came to him, and he began to teach them. And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, merciful for they will be shown mercy. Shown mercy. Blessed are those uh, pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be, be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when, when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who, in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now he's calling out very specific things now. And the 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 way that, especially with the, the with the preface of the kingdom that he's talking about, he's trying to to teach and proclaim what this kingdom looks like. So when he breaks these things down. He's not saying that we should try to be meek, poor in spirit, persecuted, or righteous. Jesus is saying that these are the ones to whom he brought the kingdom of God. He's talking to the people that are right in front of him. Blessed is this guy who's mourning. Blessed is this person who is meek and actually cares. He's, he's talking about the ones that are right. He's, he's addressing the people that are right in front of him. He's not making something to aspire to. He's not giving it as a goal. These were the majority of his followers. These were the people that needed to hear this. Uh, the blessing was not to ho not holding the person up as a model to which you should want to attain to. The blessing is stating that these are the people who accepted Jesus, and they are blessed because because they accepted him as the Messiah. They're the ones that had the hearts that were of good soil that actually received him. They were receptive. 
That, what ma- that is what makes them blessed. So previously, what made you blessed? Wealth. Wealth or uh, status or education. Being a man. Good point. Being a man, yeah. In that culture, for sure. There, there were things that, and they, they would even say, you know, if your father sinned, you, you're getting cursed because of these things. There were, there were, ultimately, if we want to wrap that up and put a little bow on it, it was performance. Your performance tells you how good or how bad you are. There's a show that came on. The first season was pretty good, and it got kind of convoluted towards the other one. It's called uh, The Good Place. Man, there's some, there's some good, it's funny, but there's some good spiritual underlying thing. And basically, it was like a scorecard. If you, if you scored, and it's funny because there's a lot of churches that operate like the, like the good place. And basically, if you scored enough good to outweigh the bad, when you died, you went to heaven, and that was the good place. And if you scored enough, if you didn't score enough good things, you went to hell. That's the, the premise of the show. And that some people accidentally get into heaven. Like, they, they, for some reason, they accidentally get in there, and they're like, don't want anybody to know because they don't want to go to the bad place. And what they find is that the whole system is corrupt, that, you know, this tally system is broken because this guy bought a banana, and he didn't know, but apparently there was, like, slave labor in the country where the banana came, and so he got a point against him, right? And so there's this whole, it's, it's basically a, a, a funny version of how law breaks down if you want to try to follow the law. You won't, you won't be able to do it. And ultimately, if I wrote that show, they would all be in the bad place because none of them, <laughs> none of them would make it. But ultimately, that's... But that's the mentality of a lot of the churches that I went to when I first got saved was do enough good and you'll be good, do too much bad and you'll be bad. But that's not what Jesus teaches at all, not even close. The gospel is unfair, like radically unfair. It's not do good, get good, and do bad, get bad. It's do good, get good, do bad, get good (laughs) because of Jesus. This is what he's saying here. Blessed are you not because of because of this, blessed are you because of me. <laughs> blessed are you because you will actually receive what I'm trying to give you. And so he goes on. Um, Jesus is describing those who, who have an honest and pure heart. He always goes to the source of everything. Jesus attacks things right at the source. He doesn't fiddle around with the behavioral stuff. You've heard it said, but I say. You've heard it said, but I, you remember we talked about that? You've heard it said this, but I'm telling you, you've got a, you've got a, heart, you've got a heart issue, not a behavioral issue. Um. So he's describing those who have an honest and pure heart. These are the people that Jesus went to, and these are the people who accepted Jesus' message. That is why they were blessed. These are not the the criteria to be a good Christian. Listen to this. This is simply a description of those who were following Jesus at the time. This is a great contrast to the culture that these people were living in. Social status and right standing with God was based on how well you performed. That's what what we do. And, And if we're honest, we do the same thing in our culture. We will base someone's success on whatever square footage, what type of car they drive, whether they're influential, how many, if we want to get into churches, how, and I've, that's the, the two questions people ask if they find out I'm a pastor is how many people do you run, and I don't run any people, or how many people are at your church, basically, but that's the, usually the terminology they use, like how many people you run. I don't run anybody, but I don't really, I don't normally count, but... <laughs> I skip every once in a while. I don't do a whole lot of running. But, uh, and then the other one is, what denomination are you? Which is, I don't want to get on that soapbox too far, but that drives me insane because there's no denominations in heaven. And to me, the denominations are what? Non-running do I? Non-running denomination. Non-running denomination. <laughs> Only when we're chased. All right. So, <laughs> no, probably not even then. <laughs> I, know what, I know you and I know what you mean. But anyway, so... <laughs> We'll, we'll let that lie. All right, so, <laughs> man, I love you guys. It's, it's good. I'm appreciative of a small enough church where I, can, I really do know you guys. I know exactly what you're talking about when you say that stuff. But anyway, in, in, in my opinion, and I believe my opinion is right, anything that elevates itself above Jesus steps into heresy. And to me, what I ran into, and, and I went to several different denominations after I got saved, most if not all denominate, and I'm not just trying to criticize every other church, but denominations in general um, will elevate their version of whatever it is above Christ, and that's the problem. And with good intentions a lot of times, it's not all, it's not all malicious or anything like that. It's just like, okay, well, we, we do this thing, and if you don't do this thing, you're not part of our group, and you're not, you know, they won't say that out loud, but you're not good enough, basically. And that's the problem. That's, that's the issue I have, is because these denominations build themselves up on giftings that should be benefiting the other ones 
And I talk about it all the time. We've got a church full of ears and a church full of feet and a church full of eyes when we need to be together. We need to be working together. Do you mind getting me a bottle of water, tea? I don't have it. Maybe one in my office. I'm sorry. Uh, I'll take this one. Don't worry about it. Sorry. Um, I get parched. And I'll start coughing, and that's unpleasant. At least for me, if not you. So we have all these denominations that instead of, I believe, should be causing more sustenance and strength in the church or causing division. And like I said, not intentionally, I don't believe, but that's ultimately what the result is, whether we intend it or not. The result is we have separation. Now, geographically, we can't all come to the same place at the same time. There should be other churches. I don't feel like we should have 20 on this one road. I feel like we should be able to get along well enough to all come together. There's probably three or four buildings that are half full right now that we can all be doing this together. And that frustrates me, but that's another story. All right. So what he's talking about here is there, there is, a, there is a, a main focus of what's going on, and it's the kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. It's not our church, your church. We're not in competition. We're not gangs. We're not like, it's, it's the kingdom, the kingdom. He addresses it right out of the gate. It's the kingdom. The kingdom is this. And so when he talks about it, he's talking to people, and he's describing these people that are in front of him. So we're going to break it down. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there's the kingdom of heaven. Who are poor in spirit? Poor people. <laughs> poor people can be poor in spirit. If you're financially poor, that can break you down because you don't know what's going to happen. People who don't know what their future holds. Don't know if I can afford rent, right? I don't know if I'm a roof over my head. Uh, spiritually poor, pe- people that uh, feel like they're not good enough, feel like they're, they're, they're broken. Um, not religious leaders, especially in that day. If you weren't that, that's why um, Carol mentioned when he said, come follow me, that was a big deal because they had, must have flunked out at that point and not, not made the cut. And so he's saying, no, you're worthy. You follow me. You're my disciple now. That's huge. So this is the people that he's talking to, um, specifically even those disciples that, that were doing that, uh, not significant in their spiritual community. Um, it's kind of the same thing. You don't feel like you have anything to offer. These guys weren't super intelligent. And, man, this, I, this really resonates with me because most of you guys know I, like, I dropped out of high school and I didn't feel like I was very smart and didn't feel like I was really worth much. And from my history and who I knew of, you know, I, of my lineage and my dad's and uncle's and all that kind of stuff, they were all pretty rough characters and they were usually in jail or on drugs or alcoholics. And so in my mind, I thought that was inevitable. Like whether, no matter what I did, that was part of my lineage and it was, I was going to screw up eventually, and, which I did. I ended up screwing up some, but... <laughs> Long term, I didn't, I was one of these people, I'm sure most of you in some way, shape, or form were as well, I was one of these people that thought, I don't have a future, I don't, I was poor in spirit, I was broken, I thought, I'm not worth anything, you know, and so to, to see this is just such a, a huge eye-opener, especially thinking about the people that he was talking to. These people are both economically poor, uh, which is tied to their status and the religious community at the time, that was, those two were tied together. Uh, four, it says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Um, we don't know. He doesn't even say if they're mourning death. Uh, he doesn't get specific. Jesus doesn't get specific about why they're mourning. It could be, I mean, it could be that. Um, but we can assume that it was at least a heartbreak or a, a deep-felt grief. Um, it would include those who grieve over the sin of the world as well as their own. It could be any kind of grievance like that where they're mourning. And uh, he goes on to talk about blessed are the meek. And meek here is an interesting term. Um, what do you think of when you hear meek? Weak. Most, most people associate that with weak. It's not at all what it means. Meek is not weak. Meek literally means power under control. Uh, in other words, you, um, like Jesus, he had power under control. He was meek. You, you, have, you have authority, you have value, but you don't have to flaunt it to people. That's what meekness is. You, you, you may be intelligent, but you don't have to say, hey, I know better than you. Um, I had this instance one time. I had a friend of mine who's one of the best mechanics I know, super brilliant, um, and we were working on something with an old man, and this old man was, like, telling him he was doing something wrong, and at the end of the day, I was like, you were right, weren't Because I knew what he was talking about with this engine. I was like, you were right, weren't you? And he was like, yeah. And I said, well, why didn't you say something? And he was like, I don't need to prove myself to him, and he didn't need to hear from some kid that he was wrong, and that blew me away. I was like, dang, that's pretty mature of you. We were young at the time, um, but that's meekness. That's saying, I don't need to prove myself to anybody. I know who I am. I have value. I'm, I'm, I'm good, but I don't have to puff up. That's what meekness is, right? So this is what he's talking about. He's talking about uh, people that are meek. Uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. 
you don't, you don't choose to become hungry or thirsty. It's something that happens to you um, that you wish to change. Hunger and thirst is a desire so strong that you can't ignore it. Have you ever been hangry? That's, you know what hungry is. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. So they, they see something and they do something about it. It bothers them enough that they're, they're going to do something, right? Um, these people have a deep, unmet longing to see righteousness happen in the world. So he's talking about each one of these things is, is, is people that he sees that are around him that see injustice or see things that are going on, and it bothers them. I have one of my kids is specifically like that. She needs to see justice about everything. It bothers her when there's not justice, and she wants she will vocalize that to everyone that's around that this needs to be addressed, and this person needs to do the dishes because I took the trash out. Um, but it's, it's a hunger and thirst that she cannot be quenched. All right, it's it's uh, it's not just uh, it's not just a righteousness or relationship with God, uh, but it's righteousness is like a right relationship with other people as well. Um, an act of righteousness is doing something to maintain a relationship with another person. This is the person who's been wronged by someone else, and they are they are longing for some someone to make things right. So one of the the most powerful things you can do is reconciliation. We talk about this all the time, reconciling to God. This is part of that too, is, is reconciling with people, having a righteousness that's not just of our own, but actually caring enough to, to be righteous to other people. Uh, blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. Mercy is an act of care and compassion to help someone who is hurting. Mercy is a loving disposition towards those who suffer distress. Love, compassion, forgiveness towards a family member or neighbor. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they will see God. They are not seeking gain or approval uh, or accolades from men. They only care about a relationship with God. To be pure of heart means to be free of all selfish intentions and selfish and self-seeking desires. Such an act is pure love. An act of pure and selfless giving brings happiness to all. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. He's talking about the people who see other people in conflict with each other, and they go out of their way to resolve the conflict between between the two with no benefits to themselves. Do you know anybody like this? That sees an injustice and they go out of their way to try to fix that injustice. Um, like I said, reconciliation is one of the highest values in the kingdom. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I always thought this as, as being suffering for being a Christian. This is actually saying if you suffer for righteousness, not just Christianity. This speaks to any human righteousness. This speaks of those who see injustice and actually do something about it, even if it puts them in danger. This is, this is more than just a, a tweet or a, or a Facebook post. This is someone who goes out of their way to actually meet with somebody, have a conversation, maybe get coffee, and care enough to, to spend time ministering to other people. Um, this goes back to the meekness thing. It's not saying, hey, I know better than you. You need to be like me. This is saying... I care about you, what's going on. I want to listen. I want to see things right. I want to see you right with God. I want to see you right with other people. I care enough to spend the time to do that. This is what it's talking about. Um, Verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is speaking specifically to Christians and people that are following. That's very clear. I don't even have to explain that. He's saying, you're going to get persecuted. It's going to be bad, but it's okay. You're going to be blessed, even in the midst of that persecution. This goes back to what we talked about earlier in our circumstances not defining us. Um, We talked about Paul and Silas in prison, and they were singing hymns and worship songs, and their focus was on a kingdom that they didn't see. Their focus wasn't on the gates opening and them getting free. Their focus was on that soldier that was about to take his own life because they could have run out. They were seeing things from a different perspective. Do you guys remember... Back in the day, it was in the mall. And I remember walking by them so many times, I never wanted to stop because I didn't want to be embarrassed. But they were pictures that it was just looked like a bunch of dots and you couldn't see anything on them. But if you got close to them and you like went out of focus, do you all remember those? And you like you looked at like the reflection and your eyes got out of focus, it would show this really cool like three-dimensional picture. Do you all remember those? This is kind of what he's talking about when he talks about repent and see things from a different perspective. When, when we... When we look through this and we see that this isn't things that we have to live up to as though expectations and we need to perform well enough to be these things, which doesn't make any sense. To, it's illogical to, be, to mourn and be poor and be like, I'm something I need to live up to. I need to beat myself up, right? 
That's not, that's not what I always talk about. He's saying, see these things from a different perspective. It doesn't matter what you're going through and what you're dealing with. It doesn't matter if you have money or don't have money. It doesn't matter if you're sick or you're not sick. It doesn't matter any of these things, whether you have a formal education or not. You will be blessed because of me and because of my kingdom. These are declarations. He's not trying to convince people. He's saying, my kingdom's here. I'm the king of this kingdom. And my rule and reign is about to start happening. This is, you need to be involved in this. This, is, this will benefit you, and it's not going to be based on your education. It's not going to be based on how many square feet you have in your house. It's not going to be based on how many times you go to church or go to, at this time it would have been, go to synagogue or go wherever you go. It's not going to be based on your, on, oh, man, this is good. It's not going to be based on your lineage pretty soon. It's not just going to be for the Jews. It's going to be for the Gentiles too. Pretty soon, you're going to have brand-new lineage. You're going to be of my tribe. You're going to have my blood running through your veins. Every, oh, I'm about to turn this world upside down. And my kingdom's coming. I'm not trying to get you to go to my kingdom. He says, literally says, I'm going to make my mansion in your heart. The same term he uses when he says he goes to heaven. He's going to build this mansion for us with many rooms. He uses the same word. The only other time he uses that word is when he says he comes to, to put that house and that mansion in our hearts. That's the kingdom. He says the kingdom has come near. It hadn't come yet. When he's talking to them, it's come near. It's like, reach your hand out. It's here. It's coming. And it, it does, and fast forward, you'll see, and what we experience now is the kingdom has come, and his will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. We carry that. We're walking, talking temples. I call us Dixie cups because we're not, he called clay jars, but we don't drink out of clay jars, so we're Dixie cups. Our bodies are, are I, helped, I helped the Talbots lay sod the other day, and every time I get up on the couch, I'm like, oh, oh, I'm making all these weird noises. I remember ever making these noises before. But our bodies are still, other than Fred's. Fred's isn't deteriorating. It's getting better somehow, magically. But mine is not, and it's like, oh, man, this Dixie cup is going away, but I still house the Holy Spirit of God. The same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in me and you. We, we're walking, talking temples. We don't have to go anywhere. We don't have to come to a metal building with sound panels that are falling down sometimes. We don't, we don't have to come that just to, just to experience that. You can just like Margaret preached almost my whole message from the worship team. It's like Margaret was saying, when you walk out the door, Guess you're not, like, checking the Holy Spirit at the door. He goes with you to the restaurants. He goes with you if you go to the casinos and go get some snow crab legs. He's there, too. He doesn't care. He's like, hey, well, let's find somebody here to talk to. Let's, let's pray for someone here. Or let's, at your job, or at your school, or wherever it is. He's not, he's not, he's not an angry nun waiting to slap your hand every time you mess up. I mean, he can do that. He has full authority, too. But he, it says he leads us. Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us? Are, are we seeing this kingdom that's not just what we see? Because it's easy to see how screwed up people are. That's easy. Man, super easy. Super easy to see that. But to see a diamond in the cold, to see, to see value in someone that doesn't see it in themselves, to see the kingdom, a, a different kingdom, when everybody else sees a, the kingdom of this world, to see something else, that's the perspective change. That's what I think about when I, when I would look at that picture and my eyes would come out of focus and then this, whatever it was, a pirate ship or something would be all three-dimensional. I'm like, whoa, this is amazing. That's what the kingdom's like. When, when, we, when we're receptive, and, and I guess perceptive too, when we see it, it should highlight things to us. When we, when we run across a person and you know as well as I do, you can tell without them even saying a word sometimes, that someone's dealing with something, but they're heavy. There's something heavy on their heart. And you can sense it if you care to. And we have a choice. God has given us free choice to, to walk right past these things or to actually do something. The cool thing is he does all the heavy lifting. You don't have to figure it all out. At the very least, if someone doesn't grow a new limb or raise from the dead, someone hears the good news of the gospel when you pray for somebody because they know someone sees them and they care about them. Jesus was very clear in the parable about casting seeds. There's going to be lots of different soil that it falls on. It's not your responsibility to make it grow. Just keep casting seeds. Just cast the seeds, man. It's, it's that simple. And when these seeds go, begin to take root and grow, you will see the kingdom begin to boom, boom, boom. We were talking about some of the history. It just keeps popping up in the history of our church and how we saw some radical healings there in some of the early days. And I remember Mark having to teach him. He, he wasn't like planning on teaching this stuff. It just started happening. It was like, well, I guess we need to teach about this because people are getting healed. And so we began to learn more about what this kingdom is. And every one of those things was the kingdom crashing in. It doesn't, 
there's a, a quote that I'll probably butcher, but it's, it's something to the effect of, uh, a miracle is not overturning a law like gravity. So if an apple falls out of a tree and you catch the apple, gravity is still in play. There's still laws working. You have just interrupted it. That's what healing is. Healing is a, a, a kingdom that is not this kingdom interrupting this kingdom. That's all it is. It's, 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 a, it's a, the same way we look at, you know, in the garden, these kingdoms were overlapping. They were all together. We walked in the cool of the night. God was good with us. We were good with him. We messed it up. But the reconciliation, when, when Jesus put things back right, he put them back right. We still live in a fallen world. That's the kingdoms of this world. But we're a part of a different kingdom. And so wherever we, we see, and it's, it's sozo, it's saved, healed, delivered. Is that word, that Greek word sozo? It's, it's not just physical healing, because you can only be physically healed so many times and then eventually you're going to go into eternity. But it includes that. It's emotional healing. It's um, relational healing. It is um, intellectual healing, renewing your mind to understanding what this kingdom looks like. It's, it's all, that's why when we use the term kingdom, it's easier to see because it's multifaceted. To me, this helps squash a lot of the denomination stuff too because it's multifaceted. You have lots of different, what do you have in a kingdom? You have different people that operate in different areas, right? You have this person that's gifted in this area and this person's gifted in this area and it strengthens the whole kingdom, not just this church or that church. It should strengthen the whole kingdom. And so when he's, he's on this, he's talking about all these, these things about how blessed these people are, he is saying to these people that have been cast aside and that have no real grounds to be, you know, have value or have worth, you do, you're blessed. You're blessed, you're blessed, you're blessed. Why? Because of him and his kingdom. Uh, I've got two quotes here. Um, one is from Stanley Hauerwas. I don't know who he is. It was just a, a, um, a commentary on one of the programs that I used when I study. But I really like it. So I might have to look him up and see what he'd be about. Um, he's talking about the Beatitudes. He says, too often these characteristics of the blessings in Christian, in Christian history have been turned into ideals or virtues that we must strive to attain, poor in spirit, mourning, etc. When we do that, we turn them into formulas that help us gain status and favor with God, which of course is precisely the opposite of what he's trying to say. Rather, they're descriptions of the kinds of people to whom Jesus, in fact, first brought the kingdom of God. Nowhere does Jesus tell us that we should try to be poor in spirit or mourning all of the time or try to get yourself persecuted. He simply announces the great surprise that these people, oh man, I love this, who are not significant or honored in their society are precisely the ones who have received the honor to be first among, <clears throat> to be first among those led into this kingdom. It's crazy. Upside down. The last shall be first, the first shall be last. If you could paint a picture of all of these Beatitudes, what would that picture look like? Jesus, who was meek, who was humble, who was persecuted. He's essentially describing himself. He's saying, listen, you guys are just like me. I'm here to save you. I'm here to help you. I'm here to rescue you. It's what you guys have been waiting for. All the way back from the Old Testament said, oh, how beautiful are the feet for this guy, this Jesus that's coming, that's going to announce the good news of, the, of what? Of the kingdom. How beautiful are his feet. And here he is telling them, this kingdom is for you guys. You guys are going to be the first ones. It's going to be cool. <laughs> Those who, the, who were the lowest in society were the first he led into the kingdom. He was born in a manger. <laughs> Man, what a beautiful picture. Another quote I love, uh, Robert Farrar, I think it's pronounced, somebody corrected me one time, and it's pronounced Capin, but I like Capone because it sounds gangster. <laughs> Robert Farrar, another thing I love about Robert is I thought that we were like fresh on this gray stuff, and I'm, we're not at all. This has been years and centuries. People, this is not new news. This has been around a long time, and when I, when I found Robert, I was like, ooh, I love his, he's very colorful with his writing. And if you get a chance, look up some of his quotes. It's really good. Robert Farrar, Capin, Capone, whatever you want to say. It says, grace doesn't sell. You can hardly even give it away because it works only for losers and no one wants to stand in their line. <clears throat> the world of winners will buy case lots of moral advice, grosses of guilt edge pro prohibition, 
skids of self-improvement techniques and whole truckloads of transcendental hot air. But it will not buy free forgiveness because that threatens to let the riffraff into the supper of the Lamb. The beautiful thing about this kingdom is, this upside-down kingdom, is it comes with with a king that gets in the lowest position, which is washing disciples' feet, gets down and says, I'm going to serve you. And I'm doing this so that you see, you can see with your eyes what my kingdom looks like. I'm not just going to tell you about it. I'm going to, I'm going to get down on my hands and knees, and I'm going to wash your filthy feet so that you can see what my kingdom looks like. So that when I'm gone, my Holy Spirit comes, he's going to help you remember this. He's going to help you remember that my kingdom doesn't puff itself up and say, hey, everyone, get like me, and I'm the man of God, and, and you need to do this, and you need to do that, and you don't need to do this, and you don't need to do that. It says, what do you need? I'm here to help you. That's what my kingdom looks like. It says Jesus had all authority on heaven and earth, and he washed his disciples' feet. He said, I'm showing you guys what this looks like. I'm showing you that I'm not, I'm not going to try to make you better-behaved better orphans. I'm going to make you sons and daughters. You are going to be part of my fold. You're going to be part of my flock. And if you're going to be part of my kingdom, my kingdom works differently than all these other kingdoms. You don't decide what's right and wrong, I do. You don't decide who's worthy and who's not, I do. You don't get to pick and choose that. I always say that as a Christian, I don't have the luxury to give up on people. Now, I'll, I'll add one caveat to that. There are times in our lives that we may need to love from a distance and create boundaries for our own well-being, that doesn't mean that we don't love people. It doesn't mean we give up on people. There may be a a season that someone else needs to pour into that person. So there is one caveat to that, but I'm not making light of everyone has a second and third and fourth and fifth and seven times seven chance. Everyone. Even that one you're thinking of right now. Even that guy. Even that girl. Every one of them. We We don't have that luxury because... We were given the same thing. I was given the second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth and tenth chance. And so were you. Because that's what a loving father does. And that's what his kingdom looks like. And if we have eyes to see, you'll see it everywhere. It'll be like that, that, that image where you get close and you get out of focus and you're like, whoa. I remember telling the youth one night we were playing a game back here. And really it was the Holy Spirit uh, helped me there. And I told him, I was looking up at the sky, and the Holy Spirit said, tell him this. And he, he told me what to tell him. I said, if I could peel back, you know, whatever, two or three feet, like if I could cut and peel back the sky, and you could see heaven, like legitimately see it, because we think of heaven like that, how much would I need to show you for you to believe that it's real? You wouldn't need to see all of it. You said, wow, there's something there. This is what we do when we see a kingdom, when we understand, when we renew our minds to a kingdom that's outside of this kingdom, that operates this way, you don't need to see much of it. And I can tell you, I've seen more in my lifetime than I ever expected to see. And it's just, I'm not going to stop until I see more and more and more. And I don't know what that looks like, and I'm not going to pretend to know exactly how it plays out for the rest of my life on into eternity. But all I know is what the Bible says, and that the kingdom of God is here. And our, our, our mandate, our, our job as ambassadors is to reconcile people to God. And to, and to reconcile relationships with other people. He's put it, put it very clear that's what that looks like, to love, love like I love. You, you love because I first loved you because I give you the capacity to love like you can't love. You don't possess it, but my got bucketfuls, man. You, you never run out. Just look, just like the well. Look, I'm, I'm going to give you water that you don't have to keep going back to a well. It'll flow continuously forever. You'll never run. You've got reserve on reserve on reserve. That's the life of the kingdom that flows from him. You can't give away what you don't have. I always say you can't give away $10,000 unless you know you have it in your pocket, right? The kingdom is in your heart. You can give it away. It's not going anywhere. You're not going to lack anything. He's full, he, he says he fills all things in every way. That includes you and everyone else around you. Let it spill. Give it as freely as you received it, and that is free. F-R-E-E, free. No strings attached. We used to have cards that we would give away when we'd go out and we'd give stuff away. We never, anything outside these doors, we don't take donations from anybody ever. One reason is, well, Mark taught us this, is a lot of churches are known from trying to get people in to get money. 
We don't want to have that perception. We want people to know us as a church that are here to serve and to give people because that's how we're created. One reason. The second reason is it changes people's perspectives on what God looks like. God's not, God's not trying to hook them to come to our church. We have to unlearn that stuff. When we go out and we do outreaches, we are there to love people and bless people into the kingdom, whatever that looks like. They may not get saved in that moment. They may. We want to be there for that too. But they are going to, they are going to get a taste of the kingdom. That's it. Give it away. Boom. And we may spend five minutes, two minutes, three hours talking to somebody if we've done that before and their whole lives are falling apart and we just sit there and talk to them and pray with them. They know that they're cared for and they're loved and they get a taste of the kingdom. And who knows who may water that later or how it will grow. We don't have to, we don't have to be the ones to see the results. We're very results-oriented in, in our culture for sure. We're very consumer mindset too. We want to see it right now and we want to know that we contributed to it and we want to feel good about that. That's not how the kingdom works. The kingdom says give it away freely. Just give it away. It's, 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 it's that easy. I always say that Jesus simplified a complicated message. The Pharisees complicated a simple message. Yeah. Don't complicate a simple message. Love God, love people. And not love like, hey, I love you. Love like agape love where it's for your benefit, not mine. And you, we naturally won't do that unless we get it from God because that's what he did for us. Who benefits from this relationship between us and God? We do. That's how we should, other people should benefit. When you show up, <laughs> I was just talking about a party. When you show up to a party, you, <laughs> you should not be the one that brings the, brings the, the temperature of the, of the room down, or you should not be the one that discourages people. You should be the one encouraging people. If Jesus showed up to a party, he would be the life of the party. First, he's turning water into wine, so that's a bonus. <laughs> but then I guarantee you, the best wine, yeah, not, yeah, not the cheap stuff. He's got the good stuff. Man, I mean, he shows up, and yeah, he's like, who's this Jesus guy? He needs to come to all the parties. That should be how you, we are, we are like, we're disciples. Literally, we, it says, our identifying, what's our identifying factor as Christians? Is it how much we know, how much scripture we can quote, how, you know, how much money we give? What's our identifying factor by the Bible standards? Is it, what's a disciple? It's how we love. How do you love? That's how, that's how people know who you are. And that's how people see the kingdom. It opens their eyes to it. When I, I, I always talk about when I first got saved, the, the guy that witnessed to me, and I've had several other people talk to me about God. He wasn't the first, and he wasn't the last, for sure. But the way that he approached it and the way that he talked to me, he treated me like a human being, which is a bonus, which a lot of people that gave me the gospel did not. Um, they treated me like a problem, which I probably was back then. Um, but they treated me like, like, anyway, <laughs> What this guy did was he opened my eyes to what the kingdom looked like. I didn't know what it was at the time, but what he was doing was he was, he was, dem- he was teaching and demonstrating the kingdom to me. And I saw it, and the more I saw it, the more I wanted it. So I'm saying this isn't a tough sell. I'm not trying to twist people's arms into, into everyone you know is looking for a solution to their problem. Everybody you know. Any person that's lost that is not born again, they're searching for something. 100%. Like, I'm not... This isn't, they're probably, they're looking for something. They're looking, the reason why Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life, y'all remember that? You, you know why that was so popular? Because everybody's looking for that. Everyone wants to know why we're here, what we're doing. It's not, this isn't a tough sell. You give them the kingdom and walk away. Or stick with them, stick with them for years. It doesn't matter. You give them the kingdom freely though, not with strings attached. Well, you need to do this, but you also need to come to my church and you need to dress a certain way and you need to do this, you need to do that. That's not the kingdom. And tithe? Oh, and tithe, yeah. And you need to give money. Yeah. That's not the kingdom. The kingdom says we need to get, who was it? It was uh, uh, Church of the Highlands. What's the pastor's name? Chris Hodges. He told us, we went up there for uh, a youth conference years ago, and he told this story, and I always remembered it. He got on a plane one time, and he was sitting down with this woman, and she was already buzzed and kind of getting to the drunk point, I guess, and she had a drink in her hand, and so she was very talkative. And, uh, and so as they got into a conversation, he said, you know, midway through it, and I've been on planes and I've had discussions with people too, and it eventually comes up that God comes up in a conversation because he's part of my life. So it came up, and then finally she was like, well, what do you do? And he's like, well, I'm a pastor. And she was like, you know, her whole countenance changed. And she was like, oh, wow, okay. She was like, well, I guess, and she, she said, I guess your God's not too crazy about this or whatever with her drink or whatever. And I, I never forgot what he said. He said, he said, well, he said, I don't know. He said, but I know God's more concerned with you than that. He's more concerned with your heart. 
and, and knowing you than he is with what, you're, what you have in your glass. He said, I do know that. And I always remembered that. I thought that's, that's a really good thing to say to somebody that already, I mean, what was she doing? She was putting a wall up. Your God's not, your God, your God's not okay with me. What she really wanted was God to be okay with her. She didn't say that, but deep down that's what she needs. That's what she wants. And he said, look, she's, he's less concerned with that as he is with you in your heart. That's the, that's the kingdom mindset we have to have. What, what churchianity and religion will do is put up walls. It'll put up walls for us before we ever get to them. Say, you've got to jump through all these hoops. And Jesus says, I'm the only hoop you have to jump through. You go, I'm a one-step program. I've got a one-step program for you, and it's me. And that's a pretty bold statement for someone to say. If he wasn't the son of God, that would be a really bold statement to say. But he was the son of God, and he could back it up. That's the cool thing. And like I said, he does all the heavy lifting. So when we, when we experience the kingdom for ourselves, we walk out the door and we're able to share that with other people. How cool is that? And it's, it should be fun. It shouldn't be stressful all the time. It should be as natural as us talking here. Right? Because it is. It is natural when you're born again. All right, we've got a couple more minutes. Y'all have any questions or want to add anything? Wow. Listen clearly, though, that's not just money. He's talking about giftings. Don't, don't hold yourself up on this pedestal when you're gifted in a certain way. That gift is for other people, not just for you. I always... Yep. That's the beautiful thing about gifts. It's free, for one. But the giftings that we have, and this is why we don't do a lot of training about your giftings here, because I believe that your gifting is determined by the needs of other people. And so I believe that you will, I personally, and this is just my opinion too, I personally believe that most of us lean towards certain giftings because of our personalities. There's nothing wrong with that. But I've also, I also believe and I've experienced uh, the Lord gifting me in areas that I'm not naturally, or is not part of my personality or whatever, because someone else needed it. So our giftings are determined by the needs of others, not just by our, our ability to train ourselves to get better at it. Does that make sense? So <clears throat> there, there are areas where you're going to gravitate more towards these giftings because you're pretty good at them, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Those work really well. But there's going to be times, and I'll tell you from experience, when God says, and the Holy Spirit leads you to go do something, you're like, well, that's, that's not my gifting. He'll say, well, it is now. I just gave it to you. <laughs> You don't determine that. And it literally said, Paul says that, literally says that, that it's God that gives you the gifts. He determines what happens, not you. Yeah. I can do all things. <laughs> I always joke around. I can do all things through a misquoted scripture. We, <laughs> we use that for sports, and it has nothing to do with sports. Hashtag Nike, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know Paul, Paul's like, oh, my gosh, what are they doing with the athletic wear? All right, so <laughs> you can do all things because of Christ is the center, not you. You're not going to win it. I decimated that team. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> don't get me started. I'm, I'm thankful I don't have anything against college football other than I'm just not interested in it. But I am I'm thankful that my life is not super adversely affected by who wins and loses the football game because I just don't care. So thankful for that. All right. Roll Tide. <laughs> I, I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. That's, that is one of my favorite commercials, though. Have you seen that ESPN, ESPN commercial? It goes through, and it's like, uh, you need to look it up if you haven't seen it. It goes through in the South, and they're like, people are getting married, and they're like, amen, amen, Roll Tide. And somebody else does something else, and everything is, that's just, the, and it's true. It's funny because it's true. Anyway, anybody else? <laughs>
Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> I think that comes along with being kind of open-minded too. Cuz I think what I think railroads a lot of people is they they like won't allow themselves to step out of what they feel like they're really trained to do. So I don't I don't want to make light of training because we need to we need to learn more and practice and do those things because just like anything else we grow and learn in those things in those areas. I think it's just on the maybe middle or back end of whatever we feel gifted in doing is keeping our minds open that God may call you to do something maybe a little outside of what that is. But the cool thing is he gets it. It's not you. He gives you not just the idea or the thought or the prompting. He gives you the power and the ability to do it. So you're leaning more even more heavily on him. He literally does all the heavy. He says, yoke yourself to me. I'll, I'll, this, this will be easy and this will be light. I'll take care of the hard stuff, but you just need to come along with me. And so I think that in those areas, it's just keeping an open mind, even when we're trained and comfortable in those areas. So, Wait, Doug, wait. Hang on, Doug had something first. I was just going to say that even people with healing ministries will tell you that they don't heal them. Right. God tells them. Yes. Yeah. It's still going to be from God. It's not going to be Doug. Right. Yeah. <laughs> when I was working years ago, I, when I had to work on Sunday, I'd bring my Bible to work. Well, this one old lady, an accountant, she was hard, hard hearted. And she'd always call me Holy Roller. Oh, the Holy Roller's here. But <laughs> everything bad happened to her. I went up to make a deposit, and she was crying, and she said, you know God, help me. What do I do? And I said, Oh God, what do I do? Because <laughs> I was, I mean, I was young. And uh, I said, Do you have a Bible? And she said, Yeah. I said, It's up on your on your shelf in Dusty, isn't it? She said, Yeah. I said, Well, take it out and start reading it. The Lord, I said, You said you have the words for me to say because I don't know what to say. I said scripture to her. By the time I got up to leave, that hard-hearted woman was hugging me and thought I had a connection with God anymore than she did. You got the same God. Yeah. I remember the same thing after getting saved in the warehouse that we were in. A lot of the, the like real rough rednecks and stuff would really give me a hard time about it because my lifestyle at the time was like this party lifestyle. And they enjoyed, I think, vicariously living through me because they were older and married and everything. <clears throat> and so when I, when I you know, quote-unquote settled down, which I didn't really settle down, but when I, I got saved... They really, like, picked at me a lot and gave me a hard time about it. But I remember maybe a year, six months, a year after that, one of the guys was going through something, and, like, one of the, one of the main antagonists uh, stopped me and asked me if I'd pray for him for a situation that was going on in his life. And I was like, sure, man, I'll pray for you. And we prayed, and same thing. It's, it's, a, it's a, like a, once again, it's a mindset thing. It's, it's yeah, it's not. It wasn't me. It, same thing I was drawn to when the guy was witnessing to me. It was, it was the kingdom. I was like, I need this. I don't know what it is, but I like it and I want it. So, and then that's the thing we have to. Uh, something we talked about again this morning in pre-service service. Uh, well, yeah, we we always end up talking in here about all kinds of stuff. Was we're 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 not trying to convince people of things. That's that's the hangup that I think people get into is I have to convince you of something and you need to believe it right now. But that's not your. That's not our job. Our job is to convince people of things. Anybody can. That's what cults do. <laughs> you convince people some things. Say it long enough and loud enough. Somebody will believe you and they'll follow you. Yeah. I was sitting here thinking, well, I really don't have anything to say because I'm not a church member. It's just, you know, it's not true. <laughs> You're a kingdom member. That's exactly right. And just listening to, um, you know, just accepting the fact that the way you talk to those people in this day, you know, it, it gave, it gave some enlightenment to 
<laughs> That's right. Well, I, lo- I love how Jesus used parables and he talked about farming. I don't farm, right? That, that was another thing we talked about this morning, how God still speaks to us actively. Um, he spoke, Jesus spoke to farmers in a way that farmers understood. I like working on cars and I speak to mechanics in a way that mechanics understand or whatever. You know what I mean? You may do something different and you can speak in a different way. It's the same core message. We're not, you're not adding to scripture, like changing your whole belief system because you're not quoting word for word scripture. It's, I'm not discouraging you. Read scripture. It's good. Understand what it means, the heart behind it. It's not just, you know, you've got a cross and you are a Christian and you believe it and you need to convince everybody of that. It's the truth of the, of the kingdom of the gospel that you need to give people and give it freely. It's not, don't overcomplicate it. Don't make it super, super convoluted because if it confuses you, it confuses them. Do you, can you love people? I'm pretty sure you can. Can you receive love from God? I know that you can. That, from that place, everything else should come from. When I first, I'll, I'll close with this because I know we're, we're kind of going over a little bit, but when I first got saved, I had the hardest time reading scripture. It didn't make any sense to me. I didn't know anything about any of it. It was all confusing, very confusing. It took a while for me to understand the value of what I was reading. And it took, I mean, years, really, to really gather some information that I could actually use. But once I started seeing it, it was beautiful. I mean, it was good. It was all awesome. And, and <laughs> it's funny how ignorant I was, how when I really started getting a grip on what was going on, I thought, I've got it all figured out. Like, I've got it. I don't even need to read it anymore. Like, I get it. <laughs> I'm serious. I was like, that's how arrogant I was. I was like, oh, yeah, I get it now. And now it's like, man, every time I open it up, I'm like, oh, something brand new, something brand new. How can I read the same scripture 37 times and see something new? It's because it's the living word. It's not just a history book. I think it's proof that that's a living word that you continue to read it. He wants to change up everything all the time. Yeah, yeah. You're literal proof. I hate monotony. I didn't even want to be a pastor. I told you all before, I wanted to be an evangelist so I could go and like mess everything up and then leave. Like, ah, I'm out of here. Good luck with that, Pastor. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't my calling. God gave me a different gift. Here I am. (laughs) And I like it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. tell you this and we'll close with this what that person will hypothetically needs is not for you to say hey this is hard to say too hey why don't you come to my church Sunday not saying they won't benefit from it but what they need is you because you're there in that position right then the 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 thing that to me weakens churches is that kind of mentality that says hey you need to come to church and listen to my pastor no you're there for a reason and you need to grow in your faith you need to grow in 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 your boldness to be able to speak to people like that and if we neglect those, all of us collectively, if we neglect those and we place them all on me, I'm going to crush under the weight of it, for one, because I'm not that good, <laughs> not that strong. And two, you're going to be at a deficit because you're not operating where you're supposed to be operating. You, for whatever reason, you and you, anybody, are in those positions to minister to those people for a reason, and those are the giftings that you've been given. If you recognize it and you see a wall being put up, you're there for a reason to speak to that person. And if part of the culture of the 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 early churches that I went to was that it was all to, we just need to get everybody to the pastor. And what I see over and over and over again, especially in our church and our, in our church culture is pastors crush under that weight because they're trying to fix everybody all the time and trying to do all this stuff. When you've got a whole daggum, some of them thousands of people in the church that should be doing that on their own. Equip. Yeah. Kingdom. Because if, if you're equipped to do those things and you, here's another frustrating thing. I got to wrap this up. If you're gifted in that area and then you bring them to me, I may not be gifted in the same area that you are that that person needs. So you're actually doing them a disservice by bringing them to me sometimes. I'm just saying, not always, but I'm just saying sometimes it may be. Because if you're in that place, that's where you're supposed to grow. You're planted there, grow, do your thing. 
and take your time and pray through it, read, whatever that looks like. But like you said, those walls come down when you love people, when you give it to them freely. All right, let's wrap it up. Father, we just thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you that you've given us uh, not, not just an idea or a theology or you gave us you. <laughs> you gave us a person. You gave us a Holy Spirit. You gave us knowledge that we, we couldn't even attain on our own. You gave us um, power that we don't deserve. You gave us authority um, to, to operate in a kingdom that you've given us. Lord, I thank you that we, we are not um, well-behaved orphans. We are sons and daughters with a heart for what you have in your heart. Lord, help us to, to, to see that we're blessed in everything, just like these people we see in the Sermon on the Mount. Lord, even when we mourn, we're blessed. Even when we're, we're poor in spirit or we're hurting or we feel like we're forgotten, Lord, we're even blessed because you are with us. Lord, we're blessed because of you. In every situation, every circumstances, Lord, help us to see you in it and help us to operate from that place. In Jesus' name, amen.